Robinson um, from Dayton.com, and I am sitting in the WHIL studios. I want to tell you about this brand new podcast that we're launching. It's called What Had Happened Was. And basically, my whole objective is to tell stories from our community about our community. We are the birthplace of aviation. We are the land of funk. Dayton is the gym city. We got it, baby. I just cannot wait to share what we have with the world. Been in the community for nearly two decades and been doing that uh, journalism thing the whole time I've been here. So I've talked to some really cool people and this this podcast is going to give the opportunity to sort of tell those stories in a different way. I am so happy that the What Had Happened Was podcast is finally out there and it is in your eardrums right now. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear and you want it to grow and continue. You can find us pretty much anywhere they have podcasts including iTunes. You can also find the podcast and me Amelia Robinson on Facebook and on the Dayton.com app. Be sure to tell your friends about it and also you know talk to me too. I'm always looking for cool people to interview good ideas for stories so if you have one you can contact me on my uh, Facebook page or through the Dayton.com Facebook page. I hope you enjoy the What Had Happened Was podcast. It is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. Have a great day. friends. Thank you so much for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. I am Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com and I am sitting in the WHIO studios. I have a fun, 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 fun podcast for you today. I just got finished talking to three of the funnest people in Dayton and they just happen to be members of the Ruby Girls. If you don't know about the Ruby Girls, they are hilarious. They are one of Dayton's true gems. We get into some of their adventures and some of the hard times they face being drag queens and some of the changes that have happened since they first put on those high heels and got on that stage and start strutting their stuff and they've been able to spread their rubiness around the country. We're going to talk about that and how they went from basically performing for each other in living rooms 30 years ago to raising more than a million dollars since. It's a real fun interview. I really do get a kick out of the Ruby Girls. If you haven't had a chance to see them perform, you're really missing out on one of the fantastic things about the Miami Valley. The Ruby Girls are not only like a really fun drag troupe for Ohio, they are a fun group of people regardless of where you see them at. And believe me, they don't take themselves too seriously, as you're going to see in this this interview. They are bright, fun, loving people. So anyway, if you like what you hear from this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it. We are everywhere. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. You can also find information about the What Had Happened Was podcast and me, your host, Amelia Robinson, on Dayton.com and the Dayton.com app. The What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. Okay, so enough with the blabbing for me. Let's get down and dirty with the Ruby Girls. I am so happy to see you friends in here. Friends, friends. forever. Happy. Oh, thanks uh, for having us, Amelia. Yeah, I'm with the Ruby Girls. We got uh, Brent, um, who goes by India Summer. Yes, ma'am, right here. Yeah, we got Taj Mahal bringing it in the center. Hello. And on the uh, left or right, I don't know which one it is. On radio, I don't think they have a left and right, but that's all right. Yeah, we're going to keep going with that. We're going to keep walk- walking off. We have <laughs> Lisa Plymouth or Jonathan. So, okay, what is the Ruby Girls for people who don't know about your fabulousness? Well, the Ruby Girls were a, initially a group of friends in college That's um, that were on Rubicon Street, actually. And that's where they started doing these little impromptu shows when they were kind of broke. 
and real broke, real, real broke. broke. And um, really, all you had to do was bring some beer over, and they'd throw on a bed sheet or a bath towel, and sort of what you're wearing now, a, a little bit, yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> and the Donna Summer. I, was it eight track? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, it was 30 years ago. I and was 11. I was no, I was not even born 30 years ago, so I wouldn't know what that, that is. That can't be true. <laughs> um, <laughs> not even on radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the Rubicon Street was where they were, and that was shortened up, and they became the Ruby Girls. And that's and, uh, and when you're broke and you have a few beers and you want to express yourself, what do gay men do but find their disco divas and bring them to life in their own living room? Yeah. Not much has changed. Not much has changed. <laughs> Show up with beer and an outfit, and we'll let you do a song. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so you got like 27 Ruby Girls now, right? Well, there are 13. There are 13 active 13 girls, but there there definitely have been folks come and go over the years. Um, Given that it was 30 years, and people you know got to retire and yeah, settle settle themselves down a little bit. Go to the drag queen retirement home. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's can't right. Get, can't get on those heels the way they used to. Acres. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and to be honest, I mean some have moved um, out of town and so that's why they're not part of it anymore and some have passed away I mean we we have lost some of the girls over the years too so yeah but you keep that whole spirit alive though through what you guys do today we do. and Absolutely. some of the young performers coming on is, is quite exciting like talk about them a little bit like how do you even become a Ruby girl and how about these youngsters well I, th- I think we we look for people with the right attitude people that just kind of mesh into what we do and mm-hmm. don't distract from what we do but build on it and and we are a sorority slash fraternity, and, and <laughs> only only uh, like ten percent is the stage performance. Uh-huh. The rest of it's what happens behind the scenes and the right. camaraderie that we share. I think you meant what happened behind. What, what happened, happened was behind the scenes. <laughs> that was like really loud. No, so I'm gonna have to bring that one down. <laughs> yeah. And so, what does happen behind the scenes that people don't know? Oh, well. Murder, mayhem. Yeah. Uh, what happens behind the scenes? Well, you know, as messy as those shows can look and as much fun as we have, a lot of planning goes into it. We mm-hmm. have to coordinate occupancy permits and a place to rehearse and when to rehearse and contacting each other and getting costumes and having a great time in the process and making sure the ice is shoveled off the sidewalk and, you know, a million things. A million right, things. right. A lot goes into it. And even you know, even just prep for the numbers themselves, whether it's mixing songs or whether it's uh, putting video elements together or whatnot. Those are hours and hours before the show ever yeah. makes it to the stage. You know, just, so. just looking at our show, we just finished the Thanksgiving show. It is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Luckily, that's a really boring time of the year and no one has anything to do now, right? Nothing. You don't have to get ready for your family. You don't have to travel. You, you want to get away from your family too. It's not point. a busy shopping time. There's nothing mm. to do. So we have this show the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We'll Three weeks prior to that show, we're at rehearsals every night till 10 and 11, not every night, but three or four nights a week till 10 and 11 at night, learning dance steps as grown ass men, you mm-hmm. know, and all of these things. It's a lot of work, but it's you a lot You don't wear kidney heels, so that's the thing about it. You, mm-hmm. You're not half stepping it. Mm-mm. Well, that's the one that works. <laughs> <laughs> There is there one a uh, girls. lady named Fonda that might oh, have on a version you. of that. Or a croc. I'm not or sure. <laughs> Anti-slip. Mm-hmm. So, too, like, it's not just about the performance either you were saying. You guys raised a, a quite a bit of money. What are you up to now as far as raising money? Well, we've helped to raise over a million dollars, and it's kind of hard to know an actual number because we don't always see the money. A lot of times we're part of an event 
that might be ra- making a lot more money. Like we were at, you know, doing a show at hospice. We didn't ask for, you know, how much did we contribute to make your event successful? We just show up and um, donate our time and energies to make it happen and be yeah. a part of that. So there is no actual number that's, it's hard to, it's hard to figure that out because we're a part of bigger things like Masquerade and like the Red Table event that, you know, the Red Table event for a couple of years was raising a half a million dollars each time they did the event. So what part of that was our help? We don't really know. I'm going to say 95% of it was your help. <laughs> yeah. Not 97. They raised $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's not always about the dollars too, right. right? I mean, part of it is raising awareness. And what we've really evolved into over the years is not just raising money for AIDS-related charity, which is how we went into the world after leaving our our Rubicon Street living room. We went in and started raising money for gay-related charities and AIDS-related charities. But what we've evolved into over the years with how the world is evolving is being part of a community and being a neighbor and being a friend and being someone there to help. So whether it's for hospice or for Equitas or the Humane Society or whatever we deem important, it's it's about being part of a, a bigger solution. And, and, and go ahead. Well, it's about being a part of the community. We like to do community awareness and outreach. So anyone in the community, we have at least tried to help. Right. And it's not just monetarily. So we're doing um, engagements at universities at UD. We just spoke to a, a music class, a music theory class that was talking about gay elements in music and whatnot. So, I mean, they brought in the Ruby Girls to talk about what we do and how we select music and what that what that process and is. And I think this was our we, third year doing that, was, that, wasn't it? Right, right. And third so, but year. we've also spoken to groups about um, sexual wellness. And mm-hmm. um, so, so it's not thing. just, yeah, it's not just monetary. And sometimes there there's a drag element and sometimes it's just us showing up as boys and maybe showing the documentary that was made. And so there's lots of lots of different ways that we find our role in the community. Are you finding that people are more like accepting or aware of drag or the whole thing you guys do now than they were before? It's certainly gotten more and more mainstream, I think, over the years. And I mean, that's from help like people like you, Amelia Robinson, helping yeah. us. You. What happened was, <laughs> what happened was, it wasn't so friendly thirty years ago. Right. And yes, it's completely evolving. And that's not to say it's the same in every community the way it is in ours. But I mm-hmm. like to think that things are evolving everywhere, at wherever they are, to a better place. And it is getting better. It is. Oh yeah. And I think the way we approach it, like if we're laughing at ourselves and we're trying to make you have a good time, if you're coming up against that, there aren't a whole lot of people going to stand on either side of you and let you get away with that. So I think the, the world comes together to make it better. Yeah. Like um, what happened was it was amazing. <laughs> so Muse Machine, a local theater children's group, approached us about helping with their production of Hairspray. We weren't in it, but they did need help with hair and makeup for the over-the-top look. That was kind of amazing to have parents show up at the Ruby Clubhouse with their children for a tour and <laughs> see what we do to, to get into our gig. So you, you guys are quite young, but you've been doing it for a long time, um, even though, yeah, you're quite young. Young at heart. Young. I, was gonna let, I was gonna let that one yeah, go completely, you know, snickering. Did you ever run into any, any troubles at all because you are a drag performer or any situations? Like well, people? talking about the early days mm-hmm. of uh, Ruby Girls on Rubicon Street, where, you know, right over there by, by Miami Valley Hospital, uh, doing our drag show, Minding Our Own Business, mm-hmm. when there's, you know, there are a bunch of people across the street yelling and 
stop all that drag queening. And really? Someone's got a gun shooting it in the air trying to intimidate us. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> we kept on drag queening as they were yelling. But, uh, yeah, so th- there's a little bit of no, that. It, yeah, there's certainly – it's not all wine and roses. I no. mean, I remember being at a show that we were preparing for on 3rd Street, and we were going to hop in the car, and um, a car went by, and slurs – hollered out at us and you know my initial reaction is to like to want to flip them off or do something whatever and Brent I remember telling me uh, as India Summer just blow him a kiss just don't let it get to you be a lady you know? <laughs> it's kind of hard for him to be a lady <laughs> <laughs> easier for me <laughs> that's that's kind of a, an attitude that I think um, that was a, something that stuck with me because that was probably 12 years ago um, and you know blow him a kiss instead of you know getting angry about it you know let them kind of own their own hatefulness and never give your power away mm-hmm. don't give them don't let them turn you into angry you be who you are and do not give it away yeah. That's a that's a good thing to live by mm-hmm. anyhow. Just don't yeah. let people get on your sc- It's hard though. It's hard. Can't mm-hmm. always do it. I might flip my top occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so what is it like to be a drag queen? I think people I think RuPaul kind of changed that whole thing up a little bit cuz you can kind of see behind the scenes. But yeah. what is it like to be a drag queen typically? What is your day like? Taj. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're a drag queen all the time, right? I, oh yes, every day. <laughs> Keep okay. that drag queen in. It's it's you know, it's a role. It's 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 a part you play. It's it's not a day to day like I don't wake up and put on high heels and pantyhose. You don't. I don't even wear pantyhose. <laughs> so why do you wear them now? <laughs> Just kidding. <It's> hilarious. <laughs> I had to look down. <laughs> I was like, do I have heels on? But no, I'm. Drag has gotten really easy to the point where you can get online and and learn what to do in, in evening. But that doesn't make it. Good. Before I, you would have to like hunt for stuff. Or oh what? yeah. Oh yeah. You'd have to search. You'd have to you know go through the thrift store and, and go to the go to the drugstore and there there weren't false eyelashes on the wall like there are mm-hmm. now and you can't have it in two days from Amazon the way you can now and you can order hip pads and you can order shoes that actually fit and all those all those things but I think Taj alluded to something which is kind of true too. You can learn how to do it but it doesn't mean you're going to be good right because you have to infuse a character and a personality into drag and I think that's where people that quote, want to do drag and then do it and don't really have that satisfaction. That's the piece that online can't necessarily teach you or or you, you have to you have to get it all of a sudden, the aha moment. And there there is a wide spectrum of what drag is, too. So um, what's it like to be a drag queen is is different for each of us here and very different from us and the girls on RuPaul. I mean, yes. there are some people who really make it a lifestyle choice where they are they're doing it all the time and that's their that's how they make their money. That's mm-hmm. how they you know that's how they live. For us, and I can't speak for all of us, but for us, it's more fun, and um, we do it because it comes with kind of a permission slip to be a little something different in our personalities that mm-hmm. we let loose and you know might be different i get that a lot after a show people are like you know i barely recognized you up on stage like you totally transform you like because i tend to be a little more quiet and reserved in my day-to-day but i lisa on stage is (laughs) it can be a little outrageous (laughs) i i I, to jonathan's point too i often hear you're so tall and drag i'm like i am five eight as a guy yeah the tallest i could possibly be is my maybe five eleven six feet at the but people, yeah. I think there's something about when you go into a drag, people see you as larger than life. And I right. don't know if that's part of your character development and what Jonathan's talking about in Taj, or if it's like you're really just bigger. But you know what I mean? Also, yeah, the, I thought you were taller than 5'11. In drag? Yeah. I think so. 
Maybe it's because you're on the stage too. Maybe yeah. I'm not accounting for my hair. Too. Yeah, Come on, yeah. There's there's some socks under Shaking those wigs pushing it up. <laughs> um, so also though, a lot of drag queens when the Ruby Girls started to really um, hit and make it make a big splash in Dayton, some of the drag community was not so interested in the Ruby Girls. Oh, I mean, really? thinking that we weren't taking it seriously. Well, so, so, um, so some people wear mustaches and beards and stuff over the that's years. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There has been people who don't embrace that whole kind of idea of that femininity needs to be shaven or needs to be, you know. And that's, I mean, we do kind of have an open card as to what is what is drag ultimately too. I mean, we do have a cisgender woman in our group who is part of our troupe and she's not doing male drag she's just glamming it up for the stage and because that's not her day-to-day kind of wear so it's it's drag for her and we don't we don't think that that's no rules for us for drag and there are a lot of queens out there who are trying to pass as women I mean that's Mm. that's part of their shtick I mean they're going to go up and they're going to do a Whitney Houston ballad and they want to pass and they want to look like Whitney and they Mm want to act like Whitney and that's all their in it for and that's that's not us if we're going to do a Whitney Houston ballad it's going to be a mess a hot ass ghetto mess (laughs) (laughs) so did you get pushed back when you added her though yes and no I think overall no but there was a there were a whole lot of people shaking their heads like what is I is that I don't understand wait that they had to ask themselves a lot of questions and we have had a few people say nah I don't think that should really be and it's like well that's a great conversation let's have that conversation because that's Part of what we're up there to do is to communicate and connect with people. And I think that that opportunity has provided us with a great chance to do that. What's and her drag name? Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore. There I you go. I wasn't right. allowed to say that on the airwaves. Oh, you can say it. This is a podcast. This is what <laughs> happened was. What happened was, you said Pussy Galore. <laughs> <laughs> then <laughs> I can also say Fonda Peters. Yeah. That wasn't about earlier. I was like, can I say Fonda's full name? I, I think has um, changed with time and, and made things very interesting is, um, before now, back when we started, drag was very regional. I mean, you knew what drag was where you were at because that's what you saw. I was one of the people that didn't like the Ruby Girls at Celebrity. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I did. I <laughs> what happened was she died. What happened was <laughs> I put something in her drink. I, yeah. I was on cast at Celebrity. God. And here these girls would show up and acted like they ran the place. <laughs> they do their show at nine o'clock in the in the evening. They'd be done. They'd leave and take their crowd with them. And I was like, they're not even doing real drag. <laughs> they're not even but, good. That's how it happened. Like they would come in, they would pass a hat or something, and they would leave. Yeah, Jerks. yeah. Well, as I've grown older, I've realized nobody wants to go see a show at midnight. No. They want right. to go see a show at nine and be home. I and, would, and I, and I wish that the bar owners would would hear that. Yeah. And, and the internet, praised be internet gods, have made it so that we can take inspiration from drag queens in Brazil and drag queens in Amsterdam. And, mm-hmm. and it's a global phenomenon. We don't have to just go to the local bar and see what the queens are doing here. And be like, okay, that's drag. No, like like um, the bearded drag queen that, you know, won the, was it European voice? I don't know. I don't know. One of those Conchita. Conchita yeah. Worst. Yeah. Conchita yeah. Worst. Yeah, she won a... Or, came close to winning an actual voice competition in drag with a beard. I love that. The times are changing. You don't just have to be pretty. You can be interesting or funny or bearded or but you all total glam. Pretty, though. You're so pretty. Well, you know. Mostly me. Um, <laughs> how'd you even... 
Um, how'd you even come up with like your persona of India Summers? India Summer, well, I wasn't Not much summer, of a summer. soap opera watcher, but there was uh, India Malhokine on uh, Guiding Light. Guiding Light back in the in the 80s, I think. And I thought she, she was international and she was interesting and pretty, but not gorgeous and skinny. And she always had on a fur coat and diamonds and was always going after the, I was like, she's a badass bitch and I like that. Mm -hmm. So that's where my India come from. And then I had to make it interesting. So India summer is how When are you going to make born. it interesting? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's kind of glamorous and uh -huh. like. She's amazing. So that yeah, grabbed my, that. so India Von Hulkine totally inspired my character because India usually has about 87 too many accessories on and that that's it. She puts more on when she leaves the room. She, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then Taj Mahal, she is um, also known as the eighth wonder. <laughs> <laughs> You all were watching soap operas, and I was at home watching cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> so. That explains it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> always fantastic makeup and hair with Taj Mahal, and costumes are always over the top. So, I, I People tell me to think outside the box, and I, I still can't find the box, so mm -hmm. I can't really fit into a mold. I just kind of... I, I totally <laughs> love the creative creativity of this one, because she'll see banners on the side of a row and be like, I know what we can do with that, and yeah. comes up with something amazing. Yeah, like right. the pool noodle the thing, pool like noodle the pool noodle, noodle headdress, head yeah. and the like. You, I know you're a big fan of like John Waters movies. Oh yeah, and I love it. Like when you do like the John oh, Divine, Divine, Divine and yeah. You should do the Chicken Lady one day. Oh yeah, I got good ideas for you. <laughs> oh, the wait, egg wait, lady, the egg lady, or egg the chicken lady. lady. Yeah, I don't it's know. Like what chicken either. ladies, kids in the hall. I could do that too, though. Mark, I'm the chicken lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Perfect for radio. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to scare the hell out of somebody. They're just like, going to be washing their clothes or something. And they're like, check it later. <laughs> How about you, Jonathan? How would you come up with at least um, Well, I was um, a Ruby fan and groupie first, actually. And I would go to shows in Columbus and travel around because I was in college and discovered the Ruby girls. I actually had dated one uh, very, very shortly. And... Um, Went to a show, fell in love, and started, you know, following them. And then as they kind of started realizing that I was front and center all the time, they found out I was a film student, and they asked if I'd start videotaping their shows just for their own amusement. And so I started videotaping the shows and then taking the camera backstage as well and realized that there was as much fun stuff happening backstage as there was on stage. And eventually they, I kind of worked my way into that family dynamic that, that's present and they started asking me to go to dinner with them and whatnot outside of the shows. And at one point, Josh asked me, um, when are you going to start performing with us? And clearly, I'd been waiting for that, like, that um, invitation all along. Drop of the flag. And, right, and like in Eve Harrington style, you know. Um, she had a trunk full of clothes ready. Right, right. I was outside that stage door just waiting for, you know, Betty Davis to have to call off that night. Um, and... I, you know, that's what, that's where it all started. And Josh said, so what's your drag name going to be? And I said, you know, I didn't know. I didn't even have an idea. And he said, what kind of car do you drive? And I said, a Plymouth Grand Fury. He's like, Plymouth, Plymouth. I lease a Plymouth. And so Josh gave me my name actually at Pachia Restaurant in the Oregon District one Aww. night. Uh, Aww. He is a good person after all. Huh? He did that one good thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Josh Dookie. And you made a movie too. You like kind of. Um, I did a documentary about the girls. Actually, um, it's a half-hour piece. It premiered at the San Francisco Frameline Film Festival in 2003. Actually, so it's already 14, 13 wow. years old. Um, but 
yeah, playing at that festival launched it and it has played all around the world actually. So, and it still keeps getting play mostly like college campuses, stuff like that. So really though, the um, Ruby girls are not just Dayton's anymore. They're almost nationally known and all that. That's right. I mean, the doc actually took us to some fun places like Fire Island actually. Mm -hmm. We went and performed at Fire Island because the documentary was playing at a festival. They asked, will you come and perform at the Miss Fire Island pageant to help promote the festival, which is later that week. And I said, well, we're not really pageant girls. And they said, well, we will waive all the fees. All you have to do is one number. So we took our Ruby Dance outfits, which is our river dance parody. Mm-hmm. And we performed in front of about 300 people on a stage and then about in front of 700 plus people outside on a floating stage on the pool. And we did Ruby Dance. And we ended up winning their whole Miss Fire Island best duo or group awesome. number. And um, that was up against a lot of New York pageant girls. I mean, a lot of like much more serious drag queens. And we were out there just giving it smoke and mirrors doing our ruby dance. They're like, look at these bitches coming well, from Ohio. It was That's exactly well, you know, right. It's one thing when you get that from your local drag community, as Taj was talking about earlier, celebrity. But when we went to New York and did that, we're like, well, we must have a little something crazy here because the audience went nuts. And those other queens were looking at us like, who that, what, Ohio, where? (laughs) Right. But part of it, too, was that we were out in the crowd making fans and friends right off the bat and having our picture taken like we were Mickey and Minnie at Disney World. So many of the other queens are backstage waiting for their big reveal and they're going to come out for their number and then they're going to leave and they're, you know, it. So part of it is being a part of the audience right. and making an audience building. a part of the show. They love that. And that's I think that's one big thing that the Ruby Girls have going for them. Yeah, you do. Is, you work the room like crazy. Like every every one of you is out working the room. Mm-hmm. Right. Serious drag queen is an oxymoron, definitely. <laughs> There's nothing serious about it. So when you start to take yourself seriously, that's when you're losing your audience. And you, you find a lot of people do steal now today. To, well, obviously, take oh, yourself yeah. ser- too I seriously. Mean, yeah, there's. Yeah, even even uh, you know, we brought in a queen for the with the film festival a few years ago from New York and she sat backstage and waited until they called her name to come out on stage. I'm like these people don't know who you are. You'd do yourself a big service if you went out and made a lot of friends before you got up on stage. Hey, friends, I hope you're enjoying my talk with the Ruby Girls. We sat down a few weeks after they did their holiday extravaganza. Just an FYI. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the What Had Happened Was podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much anywhere else you find podcasts. You can also find us on the Dayton.com app, website, and Facebook page. The What Had Happened Was podcast is brought to you from our friends at Cox Digital Marketing. So how have, like, obviously you guys have grown up a lot in the, since you started Ruby Girls. How has been a Ruby Girls helped you? Because I know you own a couple very successful businesses. You're a fantastic hair designer, person, person. Person? (laughs) You're a lovely human being. You're a lovely human being. I'm uh, pretty. You're pretty and smart. Um, And ish, smartish. At times. (laughs) Best friends. Uh, (laughs) Because we have have a joke where we call each other best friends Mm. when we're out and about. Because we are best friends. And uh, you, of course, with the with so much with the neon and doing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, how has um, being a Ruby girl helped that whole thing, do you think? I well, think, I mean, the Ruby really does, and I think it. the documentary helped to some extent validating us as being serious mm-hmm. in town. And certainly the press has been very friendly to us um, locally 
and has helped kind of solidify us as a major kind of force in town, whether it's with fundraising or outreach. So I think that that validation actually comes to our business places as well, because we can't escape the persona of Ruby right. in or out of drag. If I mean, since the show last week, I've had probably maybe three, four dozen people at the Neon come through and say, oh, my God, that show was so great. And, you know, so so there there's a lot of intersection between what we do day to day and with people who are at those shows as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, one benefits the other and is can sometimes cost the other, too. It goes both ways. And I've had many people the last couple several days come up to uh, to me from the show like Jonathan did. In fact, I went to the gym the other day with my workout group and we're working out. And there's a new new guy there and he's with the Air Force. And, you know, he's like, oh, I know that guy, Tim, because he was he was at that drag show I went to over the weekend. I said, well, actually, I was up there, too. I was up there. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. The last place you expect to run, run into someone who was at the show was at the gym. So it was kind of funny. Right. Right. And one of the one of the auditoriums at the Neon is actually called the Ruby Girls Auditorium. And it's not because I named it that. It's mm -hmm. because um, some friends of ours won the naming rights in an auction at the Neon and they decided to name it the Ruby Girls Auditorium. Oh, so lie. when people walk in and they see that, it's funny to see their reaction. Sometimes it's a complete not knowing who the Ruby Girls are. And other times it's someone saying, oh, it's called the Ruby Girls. And they, there starts to be an interesting conversation on the way in. And they might be completely in the dark knowing that the person six feet away from them is one of the Ruby Girls. So that's that's interesting, too. Yeah, I never knew that. That's You learn something every day. Mm -hmm. So what had happened was a moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. sure. So where's this whole thing going? Where do you want to see the Ruby Girls be in the next couple years well, that's a good question that's a great question i went to journalism school yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just know all the questions you didn't graduate but yeah. you went <laughs> well oddly enough we're having an our annual meeting tonight or a, a mm -hmm. big meeting uh where we're going to discuss those that very question those those questions in general because i think there are several answers well i think that it's going to lay the groundwork for a retreat that we're having too in january and that's where i think a lot of that is going to get answered um, the, we're having our first ever retreat where we actually are going away for two days wow. to really, you know, just an overnight, but, um, to discuss what our roles need to be because we are a 501c3 now and, um, it's become a lot more, there's a lot more business in it now because we are that, um, professional nonprofit. So we all need to start taking roles and making sure that they were living up to our end of the bargain of being a part of this nonprofit. So I think in wow. January, a lot of those questions are going to kind of be answered to kind of decide what what is next. That's really that's really cool. You go you go from you know, performing in um, people's living rooms to being a 5103C. Um, said that right? 501C3. But you got yeah. all the right Numbers and mix letters. Mix them up a little bit. Yeah. 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 Memoring things is not my... <laughs> I can't remember anything. <laughs> well, what happened was... What happened what was... I can't remember nothing. Um, so you go from being like performing in, in, in like houses to being, being a like a... Non-profit. Being a non-profit. Pretty yeah. cool. It right. is pretty cool. Did you um, ever see that coming at all or oh, no? Well, there are several things that made that happen and there are benefits and costs to that, that association. One is we must be fiscally fiscally responsible to the the people and the dollars that we've been put in charge of. So we take that very seriously. At the same time, we still have to be 
drinking beer and dancing in high heels in someone's living room kind of a feel to make it what it is. That is the core value of what we, well, not the core, yeah, a core piece of what we are. And the core value is making sure that we're helping our community and helping the people that we want to affect. It's interesting because I do want to see it stay. I do, we want to pay homage and embrace where we came from for sure because I think that that, um, that hilarity, that absurd sense of humor that comes with early Ruby still needs to stay intact. And it's interesting because I had a fan come up to Jimmy recently and say, oh, you guys have gotten so much better. And I think that's interesting because I feel like that's, we, we're doing some things, we're bringing in some different choreography, we're bringing in a little more intense performance elements here and there. But it's interesting that they feel like that's, that's, that's clearly a decision by us to bring in some other elements. I don't think, to me, it's not us getting better. It's we're doing something different, but we're still we're broadening our scope. We're broadening our scope. Exactly. Because what we were doing three years ago, I still think is hysterical. We're still trashy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have to to hold on to that at all times. (laughs) Anybody who's seen us knows. (laughs) Right. Right. So, yeah. So so someone's saying you're getting better. I think they think that we're aiming to do all of that all the time. But that's for me, that's not it at all. That's not the choreography needs to be tight in a few sections and a mess in others in order to be Ruby. Right. Walk somebody through a show. Like, what is a Ruby Girl show like? Well, we're paying homage to pop culture. We're, or we're certainly commenting on pop culture, and we're looking at politics. We're looking at, we're, we're pretty, we want to be timely, but we also want to pay homage to a lot of the old, whether it's standards or, and, and make them our own. I mean, kind of bastardize them a little, mm-hmm. look at um, how we can, push and pull ideas and and make them make them clearly our own and sometimes absurd and sometimes actually maybe even a little a little deeper sometimes too. Yeah, the, the thing comedy. you guys with the Handmaid's Tale at uh, Masquerade was, was like really really cool. Thank like, you. And it was funny too. Yeah, well but and that's was... that that's actually a, that's a perfect little microcosm of what a Ruby show Ruby show should be, pulling a little bit of pop culture, making a little bit of a political statement, making it a little bit racy and funny. And that's not an easy feat to do with 13 people on stage at once. And I think the other piece about Ruby is that we tend to do group things, which you don't see in drag very often, because it's hard to get adult men to come together and work on choreography. Unless it's a dance piece, you do see that from time to time, you know, like with backup dancers. Really, we're a rarity in that aspect. We're pretty rare, yeah. Most drag queens are singular kind of entities that, well, their egos are so big, they don't have room for anybody else. So we all kind of share one ego, the Ruby girl ego. I mean, we, we are at a certain level. Yeah. And it's not a high level, and it kind of has ebbs and flows, but it's we're a, all right there. And it's a level. It's a level. And at least half of us are talented. <laughs> at least part of the time. <laughs> <laughs> not on Saturdays or Fridays. Not no. usually. Other days. No. Well, cool. Well, hey, guys, it was fantastic you guys coming in here and talking to me and um, sharing what happened was. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amelia. And thanks for all your support, too. Definitely. Thanks, best friend. You're welcome, baby. Big Ruby Girl kiss.
is like I've always said, a friend in a Ruby Girl is a friend indeed. Aren't the Ruby Girls so much fun? Hey, thanks a lot for listening in on this episode of the What Had Happened Was podcast. Again, I'm Amelia Robinson, your host. You can find this podcast and subscribe to it pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, including Google Play and iTunes. If you're looking for more information about this podcast, you can find it on Dayton.com, the Dayton.com app, or, you know, talk to me or contact me on my fan page, Amelia Robinson on Facebook. I love to hear your ideas for future shows. This podcast is brought to you by Cox Digital Marketing. Until next time, bye-bye.